Welcome to Wayne City Supercars and 2020. <laughs> I'm Nick. <laughs> and I'm Dan. I don't tell Dan when I'm going to do these things. <laughs> I I've secretly like always <laughs> wanted to be Barbara Walters. Baba Walwas. <laughs> just looked over at Nick and I was I like, what are you doing? doing? Yeah, it's, I get that a lot. <laughs> Welcome so. back, everybody. Yeah. We are recording live at Drivers Club, brought to you by Avance, Haggerty, Rainier Beer, and Carter Subaru. Yeah. Thanks, Carter Subaru. Thanks. Yeah, I had a great weekend, thanks to Carter Subaru, which we will be talking about on, on a future episode. Yeah. Um, but I uh, borrowed a, a new 2020 Outback, and it was a lot of fun. It's a nice car. It really was. It was great. We took it to wine country, so yeah, in Yakima. So. It reminded me, we had a funny conversation in there, and it's like the, the difference between, the, that I can tell now, between like a true luxury car and a regular car is soundproofing. And interior plastic amounts. Yes. That's about it. Yep. So if you wrapped everything in leather and added a ton of sound deadening, you'd have a luxury car and just about anything. Yeah. Because right now, like, that Subaru still has more options than my Porsche. And my parents' Hyundai does as well. <laughs> yes. I, uh, my robot overlords drove me to Walla Walla. <laughs> car. It's like... Go. You shouldn't be here in this lane. Okay, fine, we'll move. So, <laughs> but we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a big review of it uh, coming up on a future episode. But it was a, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Not talking about the car, but man, the pass on the way home. <laughs> okay, even on the way there, I. It's pretty easy to go pretty quick across Eastern Washington. Um, there's just nothing out there really. The bane of my existence on the road was just people in the left lane. And not even Priuses. And like in the middle of nowhere. There's like nobody behind them for a mile and nobody in front of them for a mile. So when I come up on them, you'd think they would notice me coming for the last five minutes. But no. They just hang out there and wait for me to be behind them. And then I go around them and then they you had give a, me the you, universal you personal, thumbs up. You had a personal driver on the way there that was very aggressive. Bumped to pass. Yeah. <laughs> so, not really, though. Yeah, no, it no. was just like, okay, if you're not going to move. Like, yeah. I was like, I need a push bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, man. What is wrong with people in this get state? Get up into them. Get them loose. Put them into the wall. Right? Yeah. By the time you get there, after four hours of driving of that, man, I, the more I drive around this country, the more I stand by it. Washington really does have some of the worst drivers I've ever seen. And I do not know, and Dan and I talked about this earlier, if you know it's going to snow, don't go over the pass in your Mustang. <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of people I passed on that. In Mustangs. In Mustangs. Like, who... <sighs> Like, who looks at that and goes, you know, this is a good idea. Yeah, this, and all stuck on work. the side of the road. And it's like, even in general, nobody prepared. We talked about this, I don't know how many times, with Blake with our winter prep episode. Look, if you're going to go in the cold, you don't just need winter tires for snow. You need winter tires because you don't have traction in this temperature. People are just stupid. I'm sorry. It I think just it, like I, it makes me, I, I, it's kind of funny. I would actually torture myself with a driver's ed lesson again, just to see if they even teach anybody anything at all anymore. Do they just be like, hey, welcome, here's your license. Good luck. Because that's what it feels like. Because I'm, I'm going through all the stuff, and I learned all this when I was in driver's ed. But today, it's like, man, I, there was somebody I was driving by somebody on the pass, and I pointed out, it's like, that guy had like six and a half inches of snow on his roof. And I'm going to post the photo, because I said, this guy is either going to launch all that snow behind him, or as soon as he hits the brakes, it's going over his windshield. Sure enough, the first time he hit his brakes in his black AMG GL63, which I am going to post the photo and the license plate, I don't care, it went all over his windshield, and he had to slam on the brakes and stop on the highway. He had to stop all lane of traffic because he couldn't see. Like, you're dangerous. You're going to kill somebody, hopefully Money just yourself. But your brains. No, yeah. but it was just like, sure enough, I mean... <sighs> I, and I, I don't get it. Like, we got to the top of the pass, and it just it went to 
bumper to bumper people. And the funny thing is, is if you're going up over the pass, it's four or five lanes. People yeah. were using like two and a half lanes. And it wasn't even that bad. I mean, no. if, if, if you take that back, okay, if you were prepped for it, if you had even a rear wheel drive car, you actually would have been fine. The roads weren't that bad. Yeah. If, as long as you had actual, momentum. Yeah, as long as you had snow tires, you were going to be fine going over the pass. It wasn't, I've been over the pass in way worse conditions. It was nothing. Yeah. It was just a mass of completely unprepared drivers who were, could barely move. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm driving the Audi with snow tires on it. So it's like nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, anyway. I, was, I took advantage of all the lanes that people weren't using. <laughs> people were not happy. I was like, it's a lane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I, I took the far right, which was all covered in snow. I'm like, this is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah it's actually, not my fault you don't know how to drive in snow. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't know if that's taught. No, like, I don't. I remember it being a big part of the driver's ed book and, and driver, like, the simulators and all that and how to steer out of ice and, and snow and things like that. So, But I don't yeah. think it's there. So call right away, tire. Get some decent tires on your car. That's all you really need. Also, if the pass says traction tires, all, every, all, re, all re, re, it requires change except for all-wheel drive cars. There were so many people that just ignored that and were driving up the pass. Like, it's fine if you think you can make it. Don't endanger me. Yeah. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say. So. Yeah. Anyway. Off our soapboxes. Yeah, off our soapbox. But, man. Young and young whippersnappers with their Mustangs. I'm shaking my <laughs> it fist in the air. It wasn't Get odd. off my lawn. <laughs> it was an odd amount of Mustangs on the I know. Pass, though. It's just, I don't know why. It I was. thought I was the only one that noticed that until you said it today. And you're like, did you see the Mustangs? Like, yes, <laughs> a lot of Mustangs. Yeah. So. There weren't any crowds to hit up there. No. <laughs> I don't know crowd. what they were doing. Yeah, well, there's no curbs to jump, so yeah. especially on the freeway. So, uh, one other thing I want to talk about your Carter Tube Subaru tip of the week. Um, we could make this its own episode. I have reached out to hopefully do that in the future. But I want to talk a little about radar detectors. Just a very, very basic coverage of radar detectors and how they work and what you're actually looking for. And when you see the difference between like a $100 one and a $600 one or $700 one. Um, okay, for just about, I've, I've said this a hundred times, but I drive all over the US and I've driven extensively west of the Mississippi and into Canada and everywhere. With the exception of once in the last 20 years, I've never been hit by a radar that was not KA banned. All I hear in my hand right now is Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So f since the mid-80s, pretty much everybody has been running KA. It started in like 83 or 84 or something like that. And while other detectors, they all will detect K and X and laser, um, KA is the one that you're getting hit with pretty much 99.9% .9 of the time everywhere you go you're going to find in the middle of nowhere really tiny towns that have like 30 year old police cars they, Fife, yeah yeah they might still be running k and then in two other states new jersey and i think ohio i think it's ohio or iowa or something like that they still have a few x-band detectors so you mean guns x-band guns yeah x-band yeah. radar yeah. guns so basically what you're looking for is good ka protection and if you are tired of false alerts on your radar, pretty much every radar detector worth its salt, you can code out so that it only alerts when KA hits you. If a laser hits you, it's too late. If you don't have diffusers on your car, which I'll explain in a second, it's, that means they've got you. Laser is like, oh, you got laser detection? That's because you're being hit with the radar gun and you're about to be pulled over. So uh, the good news is, is even with instant on radar, KA can be picked up from a mile away in, in front of you or way farther than that if you have line of sight. So, that said, which radar detector do I get? Well, I've tried out the uh, the new Uniden R7. I've been a big Valentine 1 fan for years. But the fact is, is of all the ones I've used, they pretty much all work the same as long as you have them mounted correctly. 
Um, even the cheap ones are better than nothing, but you do get great detection with uh, some of the newer stuff. But here's the thing. Uh, one, they're big. The bigger the radar detector, the better it works. Funny how that works. Well, it's because it's got a bigger field. That's all there is to it. There's a reason these things are big and bulky and kind of ugly. Um, they have gotten bigger. as of They have gotten bigger. Yeah. That's how they've gotten better detection. It's mm-hmm. not... If you pull one of these things, things, size matters, people. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, but there's not as, as much to it as they like to think. And and trust me, I have actually pulled these things apart. I've gone through disassembly videos on YouTube when I was researching this over the last few months to get a new one. I went through and was like, you know, there's really not much to this. It's all sales gimmicking and marketing. Um, I'll get to laser diffusers in a second because that's where you're paying for it and it actually matters. But basically, if you've got a good detector that detects KA. That's great. I do find the arrows super handy. Um, Escort 360 Max, Uniden R7, Valentine one, Valentine yeah. 1 started it. They lost their, their patent expired, which is now why you're seeing it under their radar detectors. Oh. Um, but basically, the, the main thing, though, is you have it positioned correctly. Um, basically, the best spot to mount it is probably directly below your mirror. A problem with that is, is it blocks your line of sight looking right across your windshield. You don't notice how small that gap is until you've got it mounted there. So I actually don't recommend using a mirror mount. It looks really clean. It looks like a nice install, but it blocks a lot of your line of sight. Um, so I typically mount them high up by the, the, the visor. This is always. This is also why, like the high-end ones, have the sensors built into bumpers. Right. Exactly. So you can get remote install kits. So you're going to pay a lot more for those. Mm. So the way laser works, though, is not by jamming the radar. Um, basically, what it does is it looks at the signal and it blasts a bunch of light back so that it can't get a clear signal. It's light on light. Lasers just uh, light amplification by stimulation of emission of radiation. When you blast an IR, when you have an IR blaster that you blast back, it'll basically diffuse that signal so they just don't get a read on your car. So all it is is these LED infrared lights that are blasting at the same frequencies that they know lasers work in, and it can't get through it. It's blinding it. That's all there is to it. So only about 5% of tickets are given by a laser from the rear. That's typically from overpasses. Uh, Washington State Patrol is very good at that, though, just so you guys know, especially by exit 210. It's one of their hot spots, and down by Shelton. You can find the stats out. These are actually published. Where they're the, hitting the rear of the car? Is what yeah, they're coming because they have that super long uh, on-ramp just past the Angel of the Winds Casino. That gives them a really great line of sight. And people are coming downhill right there at that point, so they've picked up a lot of speed. That's why it's the number two hotspot for tickets in the state. I had no idea. And Shelton is the training area, so you're going to get tons of tickets through there. Don't speed around Shelton. That's where the Kent Academy is. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, if you want a diffuser, there's a lot of good places around here that can install them. Um, typically, it's you. The how many you need is based on the size of the car you have. If you have a really wide, really big car, you get bigger. You get three of them. You, you get two of them in like a small car like a 911. And you get a smaller one in the rear. Um, but I do want to go back to that original point. Pretty much everything behind, besides KA at this point is hype. And it's a lot of noise. So if you don't code it out, every automatic door for a store is going to set it off. Everywhere you go, it drives me insane. X-Band is going to be some security system still use it. Yeah. That's about it. Um, so basically, you want a good KA detector. Well, and the, the, the front and rear uh, backup sensors. Oh, yeah. Set, uh, it off. Yeah. And so the smarter detectors... Um, Escort, Uniden, stuff like that, their firmware updates will actually code out the frequencies that are used by Acura, Honda, uh, other cars, Subaru now. Everybody's pretty much going to this radar tracking for uh, automatic cruise control and lane assist. And so that'll set it off all the time too. Um, The newer, better radar detectors have those codes um, phased out so they won't set off the radar detector. But those are K-band too. They're not KA. And this is something I didn't know that you should know. Check once you buy a radar detector, you're not done. Make, check back with the company, see if there's updates. Sometimes you have to send them back in to get the updates. Sometimes yeah. they can be done 
through your phone or your apps and things like that. But yeah, Valentine you know, one you have to send it in. Um, Two minds may need to send mine in. Yeah, I'd send <laughs> yeah. mine in too as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. It's about fifty bucks, I think. Yeah, and they'll refinish the radar detector and give it the latest stuff. The newer ones from Unidin and stuff like that, you just plug into a USB port on your computer, download it, good to go. Um, that said, there's also the Bluetooth uh, Wi-Fi. You know, you want or, excuse me, connects via, connects via Bluetooth, and you have like your your apps and stuff like that. Okay, don't do that. Um, the best protection you can get is to run Waze. Use the crowdsourcing to identify speed traps on the road ahead of you and have your radar detector on. If you have everything but KA phased out, if that thing goes off, you can almost guarantee 99.9% of the time, if that thing goes off, it's a cop. Also being said, as far as the other side of Waze, if you're driving by and you see a cop and nobody's marked it, mark it. I know it's unsafe, <laughs> and, and Waze is sometimes tough, you, picking up your phone and marking it, but mark it because it helps. It really does. Or have your passenger do it, because that's what they tell you to do. Yeah, have your passenger do it. Because nobody uses their phone when they drive. No. Not police ever. No. <laughs> we have a full laptop next. That's actually something <laughs> I wish they would do. I wish they, I, I, you can't mark them like, through Apple CarPlay and things like that. No. You have to mark it on your phone. So, yeah, it's You tough. can with Google, actually. If you have Android Auto, you can actually say, hey, Google, yeah, um, mark, mark, that. Uh, yeah. mark that, and then you can explain yeah. it through. Yeah, turn off phone. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, yeah, there's the the high level overview radar detectors. Uh, we might get a bunch of hate from this, but if you're and if you're interested, tell us. We'll do an episode on it. We'll dig deeper. Yeah, there's a company around if here Dan actually could dig deeper that works with Avant <laughs> that uh, that does radar detector reviews and explains how they work. But like I said, I'm telling you guys from experience and not marketing. Nobody's paying me to say this. If you could just get a good KA detector and you have ways and you don't speed through, I don't know, school zones, you're probably fine 90% of the time. You don't speed in the city. You don't speed through school zones. I'm not going to be high and mighty to say nobody in us ever speed out in the country because obviously it really does. 25 is 25, That's man. right, totally. You could hit a tractor. <laughs> Haven't you seen the movie Cars? Happens all the time. <laughs> Scare a tractor and it runs. Yep. It's true. It's yep. fall over. Yep. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's uh, the basics of what you need to know about radar detectors. Let's I had fun researching that. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I can tell. You were very passionate about that. I was. Um, I got really annoyed at all the marketing hype as I was trying to find a new one. And yeah. I was like, how much of this is real? How much do I actually need to know? And, of course, I have law enforcement in the family. What did so you I, end up buying, by the way? Unit in R7. You did get the unit. R7, okay. which I am exceptionally impressed with, except the mount is terrible. Um, it's lo- And it's large. It is a big, ugly piece of equipment. It's very functional. And I will take function in that over anything else. But... Somebody who actually, I don't know, designs anything for a living could have done it a better design <laughs> than the way that thing looks. And that's typical, though. The, the Valentine 1, I don't think, has changed their design since 85. No. And the Escort 360 Max weighs a ton, and the arrows are really hard to see. Just makes a big dent really well, in your dash when it falls off the window when the and suction it, cut and fails. And it does. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm, I might 3D print a mount for it. I've been looking, and it wouldn't be that hard to do to get it to mount better because it's really flimsy. Somebody's what's in there. fancy. Mm-hmm. It'd be super easy to do with that design. So, okay. yeah, and there's a bunch of people online doing yeah. it. So. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to change subjects when we come back. All right. We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens, laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. <laughs> I just stretched it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, Dan, where would you like to take us on this next visual journey of Rain City Supercars? Um, you know, I want to talk about something that Haggerty, our friends, our sponsors, put out this year. Uh, what well, they put out, put out every year, which is always an interesting read. Um, like I said, the Haggerty magazine is actually one of the few magazines I actually read. <laughs> Pretty much everything else goes in the trash. But the Haggerty one actually has some good articles. Um, and one of my favorite ones that they've been covering for a long time is the bull market list. Um, and that is what they, they make like a top 10 cars that are actually appreciating in value. Vehicles, I think. It's vehicles because there's not just vehicles, cars on yes, this. Yeah, yeah, I was correct. Say, yeah. Vehicles. And yeah. this is a good one. Um, only one of these really surprised me. The rest I was like, yeah, that was going to happen eventually. Um, <laughs> Saw that happening. Yeah. yeah and it, which makes me feel good. I'm like, oh, at least I feel like I'm figuring out these trends as I get older. <laughs> you won something? Yeah. Well, basically how a bull market in cars works is pretty much anything you wanted as a kid that was limited production is going to go up in value later in your life, almost entirely. Um, so one of the first cars on the list, which I think everybody saw coming from a mile away, is the 96 to 2002 Dodge Viper GTS. Um, so thanks to our friends at uh, Chrysler in the 90s, Bob Lutz and then um, Lee Iacocca, and then they worked with Carroll Shelby to design this thing. And Lamborghini. Yeah, and Lamborghini, yeah. that's right. And yeah. so, uh, and I remember 400 horsepower at the time was insane, which now is like... <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, when that car came out, a lot of people wrecked those cars, yeah. even with 400 horsepower. So. Yeah, so the GTS is sort of the, the second iteration of the Viper. The first 92 through 95 models were about the same quality control as K-Car era <laughs> Chrysler. Oh, yeah, the tops <laughs> didn't fit, the windows didn't close. Yeah, they tend to pop out at speed. They had Velcro on windows. Um, what was that show that had a Viper that turned into... A Viper. Oh, was, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> well, there Viper. we go. Yeah. And then, but I knew that's how I forgot it. It might be like in the roof on the original one. I still laugh because I think it might be the worst fitting roof next to a Lamborghini. I was going to say... Mercy Lago. Ironic, yeah, yeah, exactly. The fact that they took all the technology from the Viper and probably just... Brought it into the roof of the Mercy, but yeah. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, that, that was one of them. I'm really cool car. I, I will always have a spot, soft spot for the GTS. And, uh, you know, when I was when I started this, I said, cars you wanted as a kid that were kind of limited production, this goes into that. And we're seeing a lot of this coming up now. Uh, a couple of cars on the list fall into this, and that's... I, I want to touch on something before, it was on this article, and we will post this article. It's what Chrysler called Carroll Shelby, what he was, what his job title was was as a performance consultant <laughs> when, when Lee Iacocca uh, helped him, uh, brought him on to build the car. I just find that funny. Yeah, and if you've seen the movie Ford versus Ferrari, you'll know Iacocca worked with Carroll Shelby on mm -hmm. the GT40. Yeah. Um, the the other one was the, the Volkswagen Corrado. I remember how much I wanted one of these when I was a kid because I had the Scirocco, They course. were expensive then. I, they I were, remember, yeah. yeah. And uh, there was, yeah, the G60, the supercharged four-cylinder. 90 to 95, right? Uh, yeah, 1995. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though, is it's it's so funny looking at the power figures of these cars. 158 supercharged horsepower. That's exactly <laughs> what my cost check has. And if you ever want to laugh at a Porsche owner, which I was one of a 944, these were good for 140, which was quicker than a Porsche 944. <laughs> yeah, but they were like 18 grand yeah. back in early, like 1990, which was a lot. Yeah, and they and of course they also have the VR6 uh, variant, which if you've never seen a VR6 configuration, really cool cylinder technologies because it's it's like it's not really a V, it's sort of the W design, um, where the the pistons aren't directly opposed from each other; they're actually in like a well, like a W. Isn't that that's kind of the way the way the engine in the Bugatti is like in the Bugatti? Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah. The, the W16. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So this is the the early the W16 is derived from this old VR6 design. Yeah. So, 
So you could get an $18,000 VW or you could get a Bugatti. Same car, really. <laughs> yeah, a couple more turbochargers. It's funny how stuff trickles down in weird ways, though, right? Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever make the correlation between the, cor- the Volkswagen and If the I ever meet a Bugatti owner, though, I'm definitely going to in front of them. Well, yeah. How's your Volkswagen? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Volkswagen casting on Bugattis. Oh, I know. That's yeah, yeah. kind of funny. A lot of plastic on Bugattis, by the way. Yep. Okay. And then, of course, we have our Ferraris. And I always say, no matter what, with very, very, very rare exception, if you hold onto a Ferrari long enough, it'll go up in value. They've de- typically been a pretty safe investment to buy at their low and then wait till they go high. Pretty much everything. Look at 308s, man. I'm still kicking myself. I had the opportunity to buy a 308 for like $35,000 in great condition. A great condition. We were looking at one of those tonight, actually. Yeah, yeah. we're looking at one of those tonight are worth 100 plus. And even with inflation, that thirty grand would have been a really good investment on my part, and I've really wanted one ever since Magna PI when I was a kid, and I still want one, but I'm not about to spend a hundred grand on a car that's that unreliable. <laughs> it's 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 unreliable and the maintenance, it's like slow. what it takes to get I mean, you there, there, we're talking about the three sixty. I mean, if you want to do belts on that, you got to take out the whole interior to get to the the basically the front of the engine. Which was an improvement. Which is an improvement, true. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, there. I love them. I've always loved the 360. I, my favorite being the uh, 360 Challenger Dolly, one of my favorite cars ever. One um, of the worst transmissions ever. I agree. <laughs> that F1 transmission. It was the first F1 transmission I ever drove. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Yeah. You didn't like the seats in those. No. There was not a the, seat package. The there, there was a, there was a seat package or something. The street package yeah. in the Stradale. I feel yeah. like if you look at it now, it looks like a cheap like J.C. Whitney racing seat. Fair enough. Compared to what Ferrari puts out now. Pretty much what anybody puts out now. Like yeah. The seats in a 89 Prelude look nicer than those seats. What made it so bad? They just have like this weird stretched leather, cheap look to them. And they're not cheap seats. They're carbon fiber back. I what mean, about the transmission, though? Oh, the transmission. Uh, it's the first <laughs> F1 transmission in a street, street car. car. Yeah. So you had a single plate automated clutch. Which you've ever tried to get one of those off the line and not punched it. Now, if you, you get one of those, the same thing goes for a Murcielago or any of those. Or any single plate clutch automated transmission. And these are these are literally like a... They work just like a manual with a rod moving the clutch for you. So this is not DSG technology. This is like some like a machine operating the clutch like you would with your foot. And in fact, it's pretty easy to reconvert one of these, not in a Ferrari, but in a Lamborghini, back to a manual because all the linkage and everything is still there. It's just you remove all the automation from it. And it works way better. But they typically slip the clutch a ton. If you have to reverse one of these things up a hill, that's it. Just done. kiss your clutch goodbye. <laughs> you're done. Seriously. Yeah. Like, you'll, you'll, you'll like, if you're backing up a steep hill, your clutch is gone. They'll tell you to turn around. That's literally what it says to do is to turn around, not back up the hill, because you will fry the clutch. It's a terrible design for the street. It's fantastic on the track. Nothing shifts faster than a single-plate clutch Lamborghini. Literally, they actually have the record. They're the fastest-shifting car you can buy is an Aventador. And, uh, but they've improved it a ton over the years, even with that single-plate clutch. But It says still. it in the owner's manual not to reverse up, a, up, yeah, up the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you will fry the clutch. Interesting. And, it's, and, and even off, like, just if you're in town, just going through traffic. So the trick is you double tap the levers. That puts it in neutral. So you, if you're driving a car like that or a CLK GTR or anything fancy, you can you just double tap the, the, the shift up, shift down levers, and that'll put it in neutral. That's what you're supposed to do at a stop. But if you don't and you're holding it in first like you would think would be normal to do in a car, you will just sit there slipping the clutch. And it huh. will, you will burn it out, which is why you see a ton of uh, Lamborghini Gallardos and things like that, which with clutches at like 16,000 miles. They're not, they weren't abused. People just didn't know how to drive them. And then, in my opinion, that's poor design. 
So if somebody, exotic car owner that drives one of these makes you mad, tell them to meet you down by Pike Street Market on the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go up Pike. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. But, um, yeah, 360 Ferraris coming up in price. No surprise there, especially the manuals. Anything with a gated manual transmission that's oh. Italian is just going to go through the roof. I don't I care love, what it is. I love the look of any Ferrari gated manual. Yep. Oh, and the shifting through the gears, there's nothing like the sound of that shifting like a Murcia yeah. oh, And it's uh, not on this list, but it was, I think, last year. It's the R8 with the gated manual transmissions are all going up as well. No shock there either. Um, the other one, though, the fun one, uh, which I didn't expect to see on this list at all, the 94 to 98 Ducati 916. See, I know nothing about these, so. This is early Desmo uh, valve train. And not exactly <laughs> the most reliable engine. Is it dry clutch? Yeah, dry clutch okay. bike. Sounds fantastic. I love the sound of a dry clutch. Some yeah. people think everything's broken. Most people who don't know motorcycles usually assume everything is broken when they hear a dry clutch motorcycle pull up. And all that chattering and clinking of the, the clutches. I love it. Um, and I used to have a Ducati. I had a 1098 Street Fighter. But the 916 was like the original Italian super bike. So if you, if you love that look, and I still think this is a timeless beauty of a motorcycle. It does seem a little bit dated now, but I still look at a 916, and I think that's Ducati's best design. But it had 109 horsepower at 9,000 RPMs. Which is, yeah, which, it's a V-twin. So. Well, but I'm saying, but it didn't weigh anything. I mean, and, and the values now that Haggerty's talking about it have almost reached what they were new. Yeah, I mean, which is funny because 15 new isn't that much for, for, a Duc- for Ducati. <laughs> at the time, that was a lot. I remember, no. I think I paid... I think I paid 11000 for my RC51, brand new off the showroom floor. Okay. Which, I mean, at the time, now bikes are 16 to 20-ish, I think. But, um, yeah, I wish I – there were so many opportunities to, old, to own one of those. But, man, they are so much work to ride. Like, it's, it's – More physical, you're saying? No, just like every time you get off your bike, it's like you've got valve adjustments that are needed. That is not a – that's a race bike on the street. This is not a trickle-down. This is like – we put on headlights and <laughs> called it a day. Okay. Like, that's it. So if you want the straight-up race bike of the 90s, you get a So 90s. you have to be mechanical as well. Yes, or okay. you're going to pay a fortune. And they're not easy to work on. You'd think something that small with that much access, because it's mm-hmm. a trellis frame, so it's pretty easy to access the motor. would be easy to work on. But no, you need specialized tools, and you need to know what you're doing. Because uh, if the timing goes out, same thing as on a car. You're going to fry the valves. And if your valve adjustment goes out, you're going to end up hitting the valves of the piston. So this is not a simple bike to get on and be like, oh, I'm just going to hold on to it. It's like, no, you actually have to ride these to keep them going, and you have to maintain them. Yeah. So, um, But like all classic Ferraris, I don't, I think it's, I don't think it's any Ducatis. less than that. Oh, you, okay. I'm saying. No, I'm just, you know, I get like what you're anything, saying. Yeah. Anything classic in Italian is going to be a lot of work to own. And it'll Mechanically. Break. And it'll break. Yeah. Yes. And, and it'll cost a lot to fix. Yeah. And, and then um, you'll get mad and sell it. Yeah, it's Italian. <laughs> yeah, say, and much like their Italian automotive counterparts, Ducatis are of that era are extremely expensive to get parts for, especially if you are an amateur and you lay this thing down in a parking lot, one of those fairings, especially if you've got like uh, a... This is sounding very specific, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. I have laid a lot of bikes down, but I have not laid a Ducati down, thank Frame God. Frame sliders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But those, I mean, carbon fiber fairings are of that oh, era. Oh, c- yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine. Let alone finding some poor little Italian guy to actually make them for you again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, But anyway, um, very cool bikes, though. Um, the next one on the list, which this one I saw coming years ago, and I'm surprised it took this long to get on the list, is the 71 to 80 International Scout. Which I've always called them International Scouts, but the true name is an International Harvester yeah. Scout. <laughs> and I just thought International <laughs> Harvester was more of a country song. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I... I love Scouts. I've always loved them. I yep. mean, I think a lot of people get them confused with Broncos. 
Yeah, and all things, the time. And, and things like because they do look so similar. The Scout Two is like almost an exact knockoff yeah. of a Bronco. Yeah, they. <laughs> that was funny. I was reading through this. The interior quality on an international Scout is about the same as an international Harvester farm equipment piece. Yep. <laughs> but uh, you know, the top comes off, and they um, pretty much every single one of them sold was with all uh, four wheel drive, and just like the Bronco, they're skyrocketing in value because there's just not a lot of them left. When I was in high school. I had a friend of mine who had one of these things, and this was like the throwaway four-wheel drive for us. Like, we cut the fenders. It had a, a welded diff, you know, so you couldn't turn, but it had basically, you know, full-time locked rear, so straight posy all the time. Thing off-roaded like you wouldn't believe. But, I mean, like... Still this, does, yeah. Yeah, still does. But, I mean, these things were like the things that you just, you bought for 1500 bucks, took them up to Walker Valley, rolled them a few times, and then called it a day. <laughs> you know, and now they're, they're I, I bet in the long term, these things will be worth more than the Broncos will, just because there's less of them. So I love their their this the uh, the slogan from the old Scout advertising. There's there there are times you just don't compromise. <laughs> so just steal whatever you know from everybody else and build that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have seen people make some insane builds out of these cars, and I mean, obviously the prices now they're new was like seventy two hundred. Now they're going for twenty five to thirty two, which is amazing. Um, and if you can find them, a lot of these you will find rusting away in the field. That's where I've seen most scouts is just rust, like like a farmer yep. just it blew up and he left it in the field where it blew up and they they plow around it and that's yeah, it. I was, they're a little late to the game. I think everybody has seen the FJ forties, the Broncos, and stuff like that coming up. But uh, I feel like the scout will be the one that people really get drawn to later. Because it's the rarest of them all at this point. It wasn't at the time, but you, like you said, so many of these things have rusted to the point of beyond repair that when you get see a really, really nice one, people who really know these and want this vehicle in this market are going to be drawn to the Scout more than I think the Bronco and everything else, just because it's more unique. I think this is going to happen to the t- Toyota FJ Cruiser too. That F- that two door. Well, the forties have been doing that. I mean, but no, I'm talking about like the the mid oh, yeah. nine uh, the new yes. two thousand. Uh, what are they? That's the FJ Cruiser, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, no, you're <laughs> looking at me. I'm like, did I say it right? No, you like, said no. it right. I was just thinking like too I, far. Back. I don't know why they stopped making those, but those things, like especially off road and, mm-hmm. and what they can do, are, are good. I think that's same thing's going to happen to that. Um, the one I don't think it'll ever happen to, and we've talked about this before, is that it was the Azuzu. It was ungodly. The Amigo. Price. Or no, a, they introduced it in Hawaii, and it was like an Azuzu, but it was like sixty grand. Via cross? Is it the via yeah, cross? And it was, samurai? No, no it was the samurai. That's a Suzuki, but no, that was a oh. crossover. But this was like a two-door Isuzu that was just ungodly priced, and they thought it was going to be you know rare, yeah, and nobody f- bought them. Thirty ones from the factory. I think it might be a via cross. I think it's via yeah, cross so, or something like yeah. that. I, I, somebody will tell so, us here, but it, yeah, I somebody know exactly. will yell at us. I still think yeah. that that one will do the same thing though. These the weird. Think so? Yeah, just because I, I it's weird. As you get older, that that weird they sold like garbage, so there's not a lot of them around, and I I just think they will. Via cross. Yep. It is. A they were hideous too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of love them in the uh, ugly stepchild kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> why can't why why do all stepchild have to be ugly? What, what if you marry somebody whose wife? I don't. Sorry, never mind. Okay, <laughs> continuing on. Uh, this one I don't get, but yeah, uh, this is the one I'm like. I, people pay weird things for. I don't know. Eighty-eight to ninety-one Honda CRX SI. I didn't even know they made an SI version. Yeah, I had a friend in high school who had one. I drove from Roswell, New Mexico, to Los Angeles in one of these. And that's why I think it's a total piece of shit. But um, crap, <laughs> that too. So, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's a sporty little car. Yeah, I don't know. They were the kind yeah. of. The I think the Honda Purist. That that's where this is going to come in, and the fact that somebody who really you know 
and I've seen the collections that collect the Honda motorcycles that are fans of Hondas and want a car like this that is pristine because everybody this is this this car really you know you had that weird lower glass that you could see yeah. out because you sat so low like a Prius yeah yep well that's different <laughs> that's an abomination um, you know, you had, what, 105 horsepower. It, it's just... 2,000 pounds, though. 2,100 pounds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just... Of the day, it wasn't my favorite car. The CRX, I mean, I think that's... There's so many people modded them and put ugly-ass body kits on them, and yes, I can't imagine did. finding one of these that's the in Arab good condition. The Arab Wings yeah. Best. Yeah. <laughs> wings West. Yeah. When you really have to screw something up that was already ugly. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, it's... It was, I mean, they were, they were manual, so I'll give you that. Um, there's, yeah. I, you know, I, you know what I've seen a lot of them turned into, at least the bodies, is drag cars, front wheel oh, drag yeah. cars, or at least you know, back the in the day yeah. and Super Street and all that. Those were yeah. the things to do. Yeah, you do. Ah, uh, Super Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. they're still in business. Print uh, is dead, Dan. Yeah. The next everything's one. in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one, which is no surprise, which we've talked about before, is the Integra Type R. Uh, no surprise. I would own one of these. Oh yeah, I, I always want. I always wanted the white one with like the red interior. Me too. Yeah, and uh, that or the yellow, which they're actually showing. Uh, yeah. I actually saw one of these in pristine condition here in Seattle. Again, doesn't surprise me, but it was right-hand drive, and it had Honda badges on it, like it was done yeah. right. But um, this car, I remember when it came out. Like this was, this was right when Fast and the Furious started to kind of hit, like in that time. Yep. I mean, in fact, they had a two thousand. So yeah. it was. Yeah. It was and this car was the car to have. And getting and finding a Type R, let alone, I mean, they were they were hard to get. The dealerships had yeah, a hard time. They didn't make hands. a lot of them. Yeah. And then they, a lot of them were stolen and stripped. A lot of them. A lot. <laughs> well, that's that goes for Honda. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, especially yeah, that, yeah. that, that cool B eighteen C five, the the infamous Type R with the what did the thing make like don't forget horsepower? the R stands for racing. racing. <laughs> <laughs> A type racing, whatever. And they handled like a dream, but I mean, they had, uh, yeah, they those cars weighed nothing. They handled so well. They were really famous for that. But I mean, we've started, we've seen these things go really low mileage ones. Uh, sixty four thousand. There it is, sixty four thousand at Barrett Jackson for one of these things. Yeah. Which I'm like, eh, okay, I like them. I'm not going to pay sixty four grand for one. I pay no. a comfortable thirty maybe, but. Again, I think you're going to have these purists, the, the yeah. Honda purists, the Acura purists, that have these and are taking care of them. Um, you're going to hard to find. The last time I actually saw one that, like, publicly, one of them was Daily Driven Exotics had one. Oh, yeah. That they gave away a white one. They got it out of Canada. But, um, yeah, actually in the spec I like. So They looked so much better overseas, too. If you ever saw the original Type R headlights, mm-hmm. I, they looked even better overseas, which is, I well, think the Integra is a good-looking car. You had, to get them, you had to get all the JDM spec yeah, on. Yeah, all the JDM stuff. But, uh, the, the next one I wanted to own, I had uh, my ex-girlfriend's brother had one in high school. I absolutely love these. Uh, it was the 1984 to 2001 Jeep Cherokee. And everybody knows the Grand Cherokee. And, I mean, in, in this day and age, you had the Grand Cherokees that were, like, wood-paneled and things like this. But these Cherokees, most of them, they're hard to find because so many people have turned them into vicious off-roaders. They were such great cars. Um, they were the, the classic box car. I mean, it was – but you could put – Huge engines. There were the room for engines and interior. Um, they were great rock crawlers. Um, I know so many people growing up that had them that would tear yeah. them out and just put huge, big Chevy engines in them. And I love them. I've always loved yep. them. There was, and it was like, 
and it's funny because it's not as loud, but it reminds me when you close the door on a Jeep Cherokee, like like close the uh, the door on a G wagon. There was like like that slam, like like that heavy door feel. Like it was a <laughs> real great car. Well, they had the same body for 17 years. I'm aware. Much, yes. So just a few. It and it is very hard to tell a difference between an 84 and a 2001. You know, so. I want to narrow this down further, though. I bet you the ones that we're really going to see go up in value are going to be the uh, two-door models in the manual yes. with the six. Yeah. So those those were not that rare, really, but you just don't see them anymore. Like, they've all rusted and gone away because so many people beat them up so much. They were cheap. Yeah. You can get a six for a couple grand, and you can go crawl it. And it would do really well off-road. I mean, solid axles and all that. So. Most of the cars that I've ever been off-roading in and rolled over have been Cherokees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, the you know, not much horsepower and torque, which nope. is... That's why I had to put any, a different engine in. But yeah. yeah, any four-wheel drive at the time didn't have much. But, uh, yeah, we are seeing these pop up for, you know, they're passing the 15K mark now. Which amazes me, but, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we knew what they were, 21, 22, something like that. Yeah. Next, one that's very close to my heart, uh, as long as it doesn't have a hard top, is the 1998 to 2002 BMW M Roadster. And beautiful car in the Roadster. The minute you make it a hard top, it becomes a rolling shoe. And I know you the like the shoe. shoe. I know you like shoe. the clown shoe. Um, I love the clown shoe. I love this car. I mean, uh, we one of the t- first times I ever saw this car was in a James Bond movie. This was when James Bond was driving BMW. <laughs> the worst Bond car ever. I know. <laughs> but I don't, even, I don't think it, this one had gadgets, did it? Like yeah. the seventh, the, no, it the, did. Did it? Yeah, this one had like the the missiles behind the headlights or something too. No, that was the Z8. Did he just drive it out? I think he just drove. I think he was just driving it. But that was like one of the first times BMW showed it. It was in the Bond film. Yeah, that was. Um, but you know, they they they're, like they they were talking on this was, you know, uh, they were capitalizing on the '90s and and the Mazda MX-5 and the Miatas and things like that. And yeah. this car, finding ones. I'll tell you one of the hardest fi- things to find on these cars is the wheels. The wheels were some of the most expensive wheels you can find, and trying to get them w- was hard. I had some friends of, uh, of the family that had them, and they're still very hard to find. And finding one of these in good condition that hasn't been drifted or ripped apart is really tough. Yeah. The the roads, the the coupes are, have already kind of gone up in value. They're still climbing, um, but the, the, it's cool to see the convertibles coming around. I think, they're, I think the convertibles, I don't know, the, the clown shoe, I think is more unique, and I think that's why I like it. But I don't think it's a better looking car. I just enjoy the fact that it's weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's not yeah. those things. Um, yeah, I didn't know it had a four cylinder. Yeah, optional. The, yeah. M, the M had the six still, but yeah, but yeah. I, I yeah, because I, it cut out of the E thirty six. Yeah, yeah. Then we got the neutered two hundred and forty horsepower instead of the three hundred plus, like the Europeans <sighs> got. Terrible bastards. Yep. Damn European bastards. That's what I say. Right. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one, speaking of our German friends, uh, yeah. the 914. And this one is close to my heart because that was the first Porsche I ever got to be in. It was my brother's. He had a little uh, silver 914 that our friends Jeff and well, Jeff I was get that confused because your first, your first, your brother's car was a 914, but you had a 944. 44. Yeah. Which we saw, by the way, a beautiful example. In Walla Walla. <laughs> Sitting randomly in downtown Walla Walla, nobody around it, but yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful car. Um, I never have liked these cars. I've never. They're so tiny. I know. Like, I've just, it's just. I feel I feel like, and again, I'm going to incite rage here. I feel like Porsche is like, we need to put out a car. That'll do. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't look well, passionate. It, it doesn't was, look fun. It was conver- controversial at the time too, and it was uh, controversial when, when the Boxster came out. People felt the same way about it. Uh, some now still do. Yeah, some, some still do. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, is how low the horsepower was in these cars. Eighty-five. Paltry horsepower in the six, which was like the hot one, and the the nine fourteen six has gone way up in price. 
had 125 horsepower. <laughs> you ought to get you to the Alps and back you really fast. Yeah. So they upped it to an 84 horsepower two liter, but it's just. Or <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think Porsche is a, is a good example of a, of a company that can put a, a very little horsepower in a car and still give you a track monster. These cars are still easy to throw around the track. They're fun. They're yeah. mid-engine. You know, they're just. Yeah, it's and the best thing about them is any pretty much any Volkswagen part will fit these things off a of Beetle. Like there's, steam I feel motor. like a lot of these cars were cannibalized and put in the back of Volkswagen buses, <laughs> like well, the engines and things like that. Yeah. yeah, they're super cheap though to work on still because of all that crossover, which is rare for any Porsche. Body panels not so much, and they all the tops came off all of them, which is really cool. And so. My yeah. love of Targa's. That's the there. only Porsche that you don't want the top to come off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're saying values around thirty-two to fifty. I cannot yep. believe that. Wow. Yeah, that's for the six, probably. Right now, no. But still, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I would pay it. the the coolest one, the rarest one was the wide body six. And if you've ever seen a nine fourteen six wide body, super cool car. Look that up. Um, that is one that. It's it, it, that one also had the six out of a nine eleven. So this thing, those oh. are gonna be the ones that are gonna be the the six figures easy cars. But hmm. uh, and then another one, seventy to ninety five Land Rover Range Rover. No surprise there. One of the most unreliable unreliable vehicles you can buy ever is a Range Rover. I, and I, I don't know what they're showing in the Even photo now. here, but that's <laughs> one of my favorite versions of the Land Rover or Range Rover. Is that one? It's like it's like mid eighties, early nineties. I know there's just something about you, you look at you look at a Land Rover Range Rover and and just so we're clear the brand is Land Rover Range Rover is a badging off of that Yes Land <laughs> okay. Rover is the brand They're all Land Rovers <laughs> Yes I don't care if you drive your Range Rover autobiography it's a Land Rover um I love these cars. They they're not reliable, but you do when you look at them. You see, I, I feel like you're blasting across the English countryside, stopping and shooting pheasant. <laughs> kind of, you know, what it was built for. Where I mean, will my Falcon sit? Yeah, <laughs> they have a Falcon. You know, they have a falconing kit for those cars for the new ones. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure. You know, just shove the bird in the rear <laughs> tire well. Oh, don't do that. We're we're fans of bird lovers here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So actually, I know my friends uh, Jeff and Sean are actually restoring these things and. Like, way beyond. They're doing Cummins diesel swaps and redoing the interiors to, like, extensive, fine, fine leather, getting rid of all the rust issues these things came with. Oh, man, if you go through the list of problems these cars have, it's it's comical. Like, Lucas Electrics, for one, the bad kind. The Prince of Darkness, Lucas. Yes. Um, which anybody Lucas is the reason why beer is warm in England. Yes. Because they made refrigerators. <laughs> okay, go ahead. That's not that far off. But, I mean, it's like if you look at the like, most unreliable vehicles, this is probably very close to the top of the list as far as mass production goes. It's just – but it's all fixable, uh, and they are very much in vogue. They are very cool looking. I love these things, but, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, what it would take to find one and then restore it to the point where it would be ungodly, but it would be a fun car to drive around. Yeah. I think they're classy looking. Like you said, yeah. they've got a style to them that it just is, is cool. Well, I, I, I say this, and, and it surprised me. You know, my parents have a Discovery Sport, the little the little one. And yeah. I never thought it could take it off-road, and we did. It was fun. Like the new Range Rovers and things like that, I you can never I – I couldn't see taking them off-road. It's like, you know, with the paint jobs. But these are like – it just seems like trail rash should be down the side of it. It should <laughs> be, you know, you should have a broken headlight and it's half full of water because that's how you usually got that. So – yeah, and to be fair, I mean, the, the new Range Rovers and Land Rovers are very capable vehicles, but nobody does it. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time you saw a Range Rover autobiography, like, you know, side hill climbing? 
Yeah, they, yeah. they have like those off-road courses to show they can do it. <laughs> I'm like, eh, yeah. no. Everybody knows the queen likes to go off-roading in her autobiography. So. There is a funny story about that. The queen taking, was it the prince of Saudi Arabia for a drive just to scare him? You can imagine how that went over. Was we she the, driving? Yeah, she drove. Oh, wow. So you want, we want, the uh, political commentary in that is a expansive subject on its own. And go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great yeah. time for another break. Yep. <laughs> Let's right. take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Yeah. You know... (laughs) (laughs) I know where we're going, so I'm laughing. Sorry. We have to bring this up because it's going to be a movie someday. Oh, got one. Short one. (laughs) Well... When the orchestra comes to Japan. There is so (laughs) many parts to this. Okay, so every now and then... The, the car industry throws you a curveball of a story that's hard to believe. Um, I think of John I think De- you, have, you have to tell the backstory too, for people that don't know. I will. Yeah. But I'm just thinking of, like, you know, John DeLorean <laughs> uh, and that whole story with the, the cocaine. cocaine. Is good. And, like, if you've seen the video, it's pretty impressive. Um, there's the Gizmondo scandal, um, which that probably doesn't ring a bell for anybody outside of the tech That was industry. from Gremlins. The Gizmo. Oh, Gizmo. Gizmondo. Okay, yeah. 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 So it was a handheld gaming system that they were trying to launch. The whole thing was a total scam. Um, but the way everybody found out it was a scam was because of that wrecked Enzo in California that split in half and the guy disappeared from the scene. Well, that was the CEO of Gizmondo who was defrauding investors left and right and it just unraveled because of this car crash. And why, but why did he run from the car crash? Um, Probably because he crashed a Ferrari he couldn't afford and was defrauding investors. Oh, that's. Oh, but I, I'm saying I don't remember what the correlate because I remember it caused a big issue because I mean that's a famous photo. Well, of the, yeah, they came. Well, people came to collect for the Ferrari. Yeah. And all of a sudden the owner's not there. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. That's, that's not an episode, but uh, everybody should look. That look up. it up. It's a great yeah, photo. Look up. Just do a search for <laughs> Gizmondo Ferrari crash, and you will find. Or tons of different art. Split Enzo, yeah. Yeah, and you will see tons of amazing photos, but holy crap, the story is insane. Well, we have another one of those thanks to our friends at Nissan. Nissan Renault. Oh, Renault. So Renault has a 40% stake in Nissan, for people who don't know, and that might be the reason Nissan hasn't put out anything good since the GTR, which is questionable at this point, even, and why they're floundering. Um, but their former CEO, Carlos Golson, uh, <laughs> flees Japan for Lebanon. Well, he was on a $14 million bail, which he paid, and then he disappeared out of Japan. Which Does it is, work like that? I mean, because, like, bail here is 10%. You have to pay 10%, don't you? Well, it doesn't work the same over there. Okay. Yeah, over there, it's uh, their justice system is, uh, let's say, it's been criticized. Um, but I'm not taking – he is clearly guilty in this. <laughs> and so – Yeah, you don't run unless you're guilty. Well, typically no, but also they're claiming his innocence. But his escape – is the stuff out of movies. Like, and, and I was talking about it in the room today. People were like, wait, what? <laughs> so he hired an ex-Green Beret, who is also an ex-con. Um, he, that's a whole other story, who is an extradition specialist. And he gets people out of situations they don't want to be in. 
he was, and so they hid him in this, uh, it's not an instrument case. It's like one of those, it's a black case you'd see for moving musical equipment, like a mixing board from a concert. Oh, I thought it was like a cello case or something. No, no, no. It's like oh, a big wow. black box. They drilled holes in the bottom of him. Then they f- of the box, not uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This of is going to hurt, but we're going to get you <laughs> yeah. out of Japan. Yeah. So we're going to get drilled. Yeah. They snuck him in that to an airport 500 miles from Tokyo, like across the country. And then they flew him to uh, Turkey and then to Lebanon, where he has a house that Nissan paid for <laughs> out of this. And he took with him about 100 million bucks of unreported income. So, See, here's my thing. <laughs> if, he's a, if he's a specialist, he was on house arrest, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, they get you out of the house. And I was reading the article. He stayed in the box for like the 500 miles. Something like that. I, I mean, they had to be. Here's my point. Once no, no, you're out of the house, get out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, no, he didn't stay in it through Turkey because somebody has a picture of him. Supposedly not through Turkey, at, but I'm saying, yeah, the, the, between where his house was and where they got him out of Japan was 500 miles. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's a long time in a box with oneself. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> it's like mime on steroids. The stories on this are just wild, though. Like they posted photos of the box today that he escaped <laughs> in, and it's just like. What? Yeah, um, you're right. It will be a movie. This is going to be a TV movie because he yeah. he has been silent. Uh, he's now in Lebanon and free because they don't have extradition there. Yeah, and now he's talking. Yeah, and so he's scheduled to go on live on the eighth, uh, which should be the day after this comes out, with an update on everything and what he did. I guess I don't know. Nobody knows what he's going to say. Hashtag box life. Yeah. So he. Obviously, uh, yeah. Japan's pissed. <laughs> um, and typically, it's funny, outside CEOs don't typically work in Japan. It's kind of a known thing. Um, a lot of them have failed. And so he's outside C- what do you mean? Like if, they, if a company brings in a CEO from, that is not Japanese yeah. into Japan, they typically don't would do well. They typically are ousted. Oh, I, I, I thought you meant they don't live there. Okay, I get it. Yeah, and there's yeah. actually kind of a weird long history of them being um, run out on rails uh, or arrested. Oh. So for other things, so I mean, um, sneaky little bastard. It, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered yet, but it is obviously a pretty bad stain on Nissan, um, who's already not doing well in the market at all. Um, their sales have been plummeting. Infinity's almost dead. Uh, there's rumors that Infinity might not even be here in the next few years. They've been doing so poorly. We'll see if Nissan even survives. I don't think they would have without uh, Renault's money, which I mean, nothing here, but Renault's doing very well in Europe, of course. So they're doing they're doing fine, but Nissan just. Uh, <laughs> They've been floundering for years. Yeah, and I mean, you you were being a Nissan owner. Yeah. I mean, even the GTR had have. Oh, the glass transmission yeah, issue. Yeah. I mean, trans- and it's like I mean, you can build around it. There's a company in Colorado that can basically fix your transmission. Well, but I'm not. I'm just saying. Family. I know, but I'm saying from, like, from Nissan. Like I mean, the Maximas. You really don't see that on the road anymore. I mean, the 370s and the 350s. You do great car. Great cars. But that's kind of it. Um, but even those are old. Like yeah. you can't think of a Nissan that's cool. That's current. They're all they're all yeah. old cool. Well, the Nissans, Leaf you know? is just something. yeah. The Leaf <laughs> the and the Murano and the Juke. Has anybody ever the seen a Leaf not in that blue? Ugh. Like are they all that color? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> okay. blue or silver. Take blue or silver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, so it's funny though. Is this green beret? I want to talk more about this guy too. He spent four years in prison for a multi-million-dollar uh, scheme with the U.S. government military fraud scheme. Uh, FBI was in on it on his sting. Um, so he was one of our Green Berets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, 
I wonder if he got like a, like a special prison cell. Like when you're putting somebody in jail that is a it's an expert in getting out. <laughs> like, do you have you know? Yeah, so there was defrauding the U.S. Army, but I mean, hey, if you want somebody who's willing to bend some rules to get you out of a country, he kind of has the, uh, hey, talk to me. <laughs> you know, it's probably the guy you want, I guess, but it's just the whole thing. I cannot wait to see this totally unravel. There's something very weird about how public they're being about this. I know he, he's doing like a, a sort of a nanner, nanner, nanner on the 8th. Like, I made it out. You can't do anything about it. But yeah. We'll like see all that. The will. details of all this, like, I feel like here's the thing. If if there's one Green Beret that's really good at going in and getting people out, there's probably 100. And so chances of this guy accidentally falling into another box and ending up on a police doorstep in Japan are probably pretty good. <laughs> you know, we saw it in Batman. It happens. Remember? Batman took that guy out of the top of, of a building that's with true. a plane. So that <laughs> happened. I think that was in Japan, too, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Everything in Batman is real. <laughs> So the, it's it's just it's one of those awesome stories that seems too unbelievable yeah. to be real, and then you read through it and you're like, okay, I guess that happened. And then the dam broke. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see what happens to him in the uh, in the upcoming time. Yeah. Um, in advance news, moving on, we've got a uh, car collection tour. Uh, <laughs> a friend of Avant's. <laughs> the car collection. The car collection tour. tour yeah. yeah. Uh, one of our favorites. We've. Ben, we've seen this collection many times. Uh, a friend of Avant's is setting up a tour of Bruce Wanta's collection. Bruce Wanta has the world's most beautiful roadster. It's not a matter of opinion. It won that award. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, that is the, the Mulholland Speedster. If anybody wants to take a look at that thing, it's we posted it before, but it's one of those beautiful cars you'll ever see. But uh, if you're an Avant's member, I believe that's sold out. But it's a, it's a fundraiser for a dance studio called Applause Studio. Um, another thing, if, if you're not an Avant's member, you're missing out on some really cool stuff this time of year. It's one of those things you will never get to see outside of Avant's is to see this collection unless you really know people. Um, after that, uh, that's the 11th. Um, and on the 12th, you've got, uh, we've talked about this one before, the tech session at Side Route City. Uh, they're talking about Ceramic Pro. They're talking about the Griot's new 3-in-1 Ceramic Wax and how to apply it. Uh, so that's our uh, Avant's Portland friends. Again, growing there. Um, this one's a ways out, but I want to talk about it because I... <laughs> I love the photo Adam posted of this. Okay. Tech session with R- about RC cars, racing RC cars. And the photo he posted <laughs> is of the Grasshopper. Now, if you were a kid in the 80s or the 90s when Sears had the catalog that you flipped through pre-internet to find everything you wanted for Christmas, the Grasshopper was the RC car that you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and I still want one. <laughs> if you saw our story tonight, we were playing with imagine RC what, cars. Can you imagine what those were are worth now? Jeez, we could find them. <laughs> yeah. Tell you. Uh, also an event I want to talk about. We talked about it last week. Um, yep. We'll be down in Scottsdale uh, for the Jet Center events. Um, we're still offer, offering 20% off. for. It's on the fi- uh, January 15th is, is Jet Center events is the event. And RCS 20 will get you $20 off your admission ticket if you want to. And f- in fact, Adam from Avance will be there. So, yeah. Come yep. down to Scottsdale and join Avance with Adam at the event. Boom. There you go. There you go. Yeah. See? Yep. Win-win. Nice transition, Nick. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not really sure how to take that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think that kind of wraps up this week. It's two weeks of Dan and I kind of uh, talking, which we think is – we haven't done in a while. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, leave them. Um, we're oh, always looking. Speaking of which, before oh. we sign out, I will actually uh, – coming back to our tip of the week from last week, we talked about the most efficient way to defrost a car. Um, one of our listeners. Hot water. Yeah, hot water <laughs> on the windshield. No problem. 
It'll, re- it'll remove the windshield. Uh, but beyond that... No more frost. Uh, one of the things I said is that you turn on your AC um, and roll down the windows a little bit. Almost every new car, like past uh, mid-2000s, will do that automatically. If you turn on your defrost full blast, it'll actually turn on the AC automatically as well. So just huh. uh, so if you if you do that, you may notice them doing that automatically. E- even GM had that in the early 2000s. Uh, my 99 Land Cruiser did not, though. Which is strange. You would think Toyota would be on top of that because it's an off-road vehicle. It's kind of their thing. Does your Porsche do it? Porsche does do that. There you go. See, I told you it was going to come out on the end. That's good. Yeah. So, but hey, thank you for a listener for pointing that out as I did more looking into it. I was like, yep, it definitely does. My Audi and my Porsche both do that as they do that. I know your Subaru does that as well. Yeah. I only know that because I saw the defrost and the new one do it. The new one does (laughs) it. The Outback. But but on the on the Crosstrek, I've got the dial. Oh, maybe. It may kick it on without knowing. I don't know. So. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm it, sure it does. It is it's not smarter a than me. So yeah, it will also uh, kick off your AC if you floor it in sport mode in most cars. By the way, yeah. So sport, drag racers, just so you know, sport mode Subaru. <laughs> 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 There's an X mode. Uh, anyway, the opposite. Yeah. Thank you, listeners, yeah. for pointing that out. Thanks. Well, for Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. Don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>